Welcome to Settle Smart, a podcast produced by the National Structured Settlements Trade Association and hosted by Executive Director Eric Vaughn. Our podcasts are an educational resource about structured settlements for people who have settled a personal injury lawsuit to help them understand their best options for financial security. This can include you or a loved one who was injured in an automobile accident, injured on the job, or suffered from any number of injuries. We are here to help. We believe your injury settlement is your money, so keep it safe. Now, here's your host, Eric Vaughn. So you're really nice to do this. This is not going to, it's going to take, you know, 15 minutes. That's okay. What's the occasion? We, end of the year, we we kind of do quick surveys. We ask people, you know, how did we do this year? And everybody loves Debbie. Nobody likes me. Then I asked a follow-up question. What can I bring you this holiday season that would make you think better of me? And they all said the same thing. Sally. No, just stop. Well, they, I'm sorry. They said Susie, but I couldn't get Susie. <laughs> no, they love you, Sally. So it's just, you know, we have, we've done a bunch of these this year. And uh-huh. I thought this would be a great one to end the year on and also kick off the new year. Wow. Okay. All right. That's what they said. Do they like your podcast? They, you know, they appear to like it and it gets recirculated. It's just to our members. So it, several hundred people get to watch it. But I have a fair number of people on the Hill because they're members of the caucus, they click in and they hear them. So that's just made a big deal too. Yeah, I think it's great that you're doing it. I have no idea what we're going to talk about or what I'm going to say, but. Well, that's that's the best part of it. It's really, I just wanted to give you a couple quick ideas. One is that, how'd you first learn about structured settlements? How'd you get involved? I want to go back to um, Brian Frosch, what you did in DC. I thought people heard it, but I'm not sure they quite remember it and evaluate it. And factoring is coming back up again. So we're getting excited about it. Sure. Actually, the first time I heard about structured settlements is over lunch with um, Mark Perriello. And he and I were on the AT&T Consumer Advisory Board and we decided to have lunch. And I said, tell me about how you work on behalf of people with disabilities and what's their biggest concern? And he said, well, when they get a structured settlement, factoring is their biggest concern. And I said, I have no idea what that is. I've never heard of it. And he said, it's when companies come in and offer them a lump sum to sign over their monthly annuity if they've been injured by a tort or injured by some other unfortunate event in their lives. And they need protection from that. And I said, I, I, it sounds like a terrible corporate practice to come in and take away people's sure. monthly check and offer them a lump sum, which will undoubtedly run out over a far shorter period of time. But I'm sure it's very tempting for many of these victims of accidents because it sounds like a lot of money. And they don't ever see that kind of money. So Mark explained that to me. And then next thing you know, he invited me to the caucus, the Structured Settlement Caucus. And I was there when Congressman John Lewis was first elected and held this big event. And I walk in the room and there's like 180 (laughs) people there. And I'm like, everybody's here for something I've never heard of. (laughs) That was the first time you and I met. 
and you and I met there. Yeah. But I was like, they're all here for something I've never heard of. <laughs> There's all these members of Congress here and I'm really uh, behind the eight ball here. <laughs> but the more I heard about it, the more it occurred to me that more people need to know about structured settlements. And I had worked at Consumer Reports for a number of years, 10 years. And we used to talk about the importance of annuities and not victims of accidents and torts and frauds and whatever, not getting lump sum payments because they do tend to dissipate very quickly for a whole variety of reasons. Everyone knows that you got one for one and they come calling and they want a little piece of the action. We see that with sports, with athletes too, who make big salaries, but that can go very, very quickly. And so we kind of advocated and had some feeling for the importance of not handing over hundreds of thousands of dollars to people who are not sophisticated financially and an annuity being a monthly annuity that goes for many years and sometimes a lifetime uh, that's tax-free being a much better course of action for most people. So that was my introduction. When did the caucus meet? I've forgotten. Well, it was 2015, I believe. Yeah, so that's a good seven years ago now. Yeah, and it was also it was a, a fascinating confluence of political events. I love saying that. There's John Lewis, Democrat of Georgia, civil rights icon, a leading Democrat in the Hill. And then the Republican was Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner from Wisconsin. Right. And I'm right. not sure the two of them ever found any issue to work together on, but they did on structured settlements. So that's right. Quite exciting day. Let me ask you a question because a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a fair number of people learn about structured settlements, learn about how they help injured people, and they get actively involved. And sometimes it's it's involvement to try to help protect them from factoring transactions, which is what you just talked about, which is great. This is really important. Mm -hmm. But they think about it, they talk about it, they move on. Not Sally Greenberg. Sally, you decided to take some action, and you did right here in the D.C. area uh, in the state of Maryland. Freddie Gray, a young black man, had a structured settlement, uh, lead paint poisoning, about a million-dollar settlement, killed in the back of a police van, tragically, and when he died, he had nothing. The factoring companies had stolen everything from him, and you were not going to let that sit. What did you do? Well, I like to try to solve problems and not gigantic ones like reduce the federal debt or a cure, find a cure for cancer, because I'm not capable of that. But over the years working on consumer legislation and the factoring problem being a fairly straightforward predatory industry practice that is really the province of legislators and attorneys general across the country to address, I thought in talking with you and Henry that maybe we should look at it, at the legislative approach and see who our friends were in the Washington, Maryland, and Virginia area and see if we could have a discussion with the attorney general who's a, in uh, Maryland, Brian Frush who is known for being a great consumer advocate. And when someone's in the business of doing consumer advocacy and you explain to them that 
people who are uh, victims of injuries and have a, a substantial amount of money set aside for their care and well-being for the rest of their lives, and someone comes along and figures out a way to bamboozle them out of that, it hits you right in the gut as a consumer advocate. And all the state AGs, by and large, are into consumer protection. And I thought Brian Frosch would, would find this a, a pretty clear violation of the rights of people in a predatory practice among a certain industry. And it could be stopped with much more careful legislation that requires judges to take a far closer look at these kinds of agreements. And of course, I was coached by none other than Eric Vaughn and Henry, who sat me down and said, these are the things that actually make a big difference when judges are looking at efforts by factoring companies to steal money, essentially, from people whose life and health and well-being, longevity is going to depend on it. So that's kind of a long-winded description of how we ended up sitting down with the Attorney General in Maryland. And then, you know, from there, it was just uh, a natural step, I think, to go to the District of Columbia, which has some very strong consumer protection laws. And I had close relationship with my city council member, who's a great consumer advocate herself. We just gave her an award at our dinner this year. Thank you guys for coming in and supporting the dinner. And when I explained things to her, she said, yeah, we'll we'll introduce the structured settlement bill here in the District of Columbia to do something very similar to what Maryland had done. So that's a, the long story of, of uh, how we went about this. But of course, I didn't do this by myself. There are a lot of people helping me. And I really count on the expertise of your expertise, Eric, and, and Henry's and others within NSSTA to kind of close those loopholes. And we can't absolutely stop the factoring process, but you can sure slow it down and bring it as close as possible to a just widen the gap tremendously so that we have very far fewer people falling into the trap of factoring their structured settlement. Well, I should make sure all our listeners to the Settle Smart podcast know that the Henry you're referring to is Henry Strong. Henry Strong, yeah. Henry, of course. Our board of directors again. He's great. Great, great man. But you're glossed over just a little. And the glossing over was not anybody can just walk in to an attorney general's office. That's number one. You got that meeting for us. We sat down with the attorney general and about an hour later, he got it. He understood it. And then what you did was honestly magical because the impact is so incredibly profound. The year before attorney general Frosch stepped in at your behest, there were about 1,500, 1,800 factoring transactions done in one year. In the year after they signed in the legislation, the new law, six factoring transactions were approved. So what happened, it doesn't mean the the factoring companies went away, is that the judges imposed new, stronger oversight protections for consumers. You did that. That was pretty profound and pretty amazing. You're giving me far too much credit. We all did that. We probably was probably able to get a a meeting with the attorney general through consumer contacts here. But one of the things that attorneys general do to their great credit is that they do talk with consumer groups and consumer advocates that they have the authority to act on behalf of consumers. They've got every state has a false and deceptive practices act, a UDAP statute. 
And we rely very much on the AGs across the country to protect the rights of consumers. So if that's really an amazing number, though, if you said there are 1,800 uh, factoring transactions in Maryland, and now we're down to six, the practice of factoring in Maryland has been substantially reduced as a result of a really strong piece of legislation. What that and rules enforced by the HE and what that tells me is that they work. The laws work and they work to the benefit of some of the most vulnerable consumers in society. So uh, that kind of gives me fire in the belly to make sure that consumers all across the country get those kinds of protections. But I mean, you guys responsible for the 1982 Act, which um, recognized uh, structures as beneficial. Yes. And the PPSA that and ensures that they're tax free, which is also quite which is amazingly important. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so what you're doing is very consumer protection oriented. And I think it's a, an ecosystem that we work together with groups like yours that are are working on behalf of uh, vulnerable people who've been injured or have other terrible life events. And I love that you have a code of ethics and anybody who is a member is expected to abide by that code of ethics. And that means that your client comes first. It's not about getting a, a big chunk of money and walking away and leaving the client with very little, the way some professions might do, some you know unscrupulous lawyers might do, but instead you operate from the position that the client comes first and their financial interests come first. And of course, it's important that your membership get compensated, but the code of ethics is really important. And I assume, I can only assume that you enforce that code of ethics if you see violations. And that's important for a consumer advocate like me to know that there's an organization like NSSTA that works on behalf of um, vulnerable consumers, but also requires their members to follow various protocols and rules and procedures that benefit the client, number one, and don't uh, end up benefiting only those who negotiate the annuity. I'm really glad you mentioned that. That is important to us. And and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that fascinating to me as a lobbyist and a Washington insider, that your relationship to the structured settlements industry came about because of your relationship and ours with the American Association of People with Disabilities. And I think the two smartest things I've ever done in my entire professional life is getting to work with and know and be on the board of directors of the AAPD. The second most important thing I ever did was to seek out Sally Greenberg, the National Consumers League, and build the kind of relationship that we've built. You did something this year for the first time, I believe, I think I'm right about this. You put on your website under your, who are we? What are we about? And what are the issues that we care about? A section on structured settlements. It's fabulous. People in our industry all across the country are going to your website, learning about the National Consumers League. And when they're there, oh my goodness, look at this information about structured settlements. What a fabulous, fabulous leadership role you're taking. And I cannot thank you enough for posting that extremely valuable information on your website. 
Well, that's really good to hear. I'm I'm delighted to know that people are reading it and appreciating and liking it. But I want to get beyond the NSSTA and the NCL, and I want to get out there to consumers writ large who may be in a position where they've gotten a structured settlement or their family member has been injured and they're considering a lump sum versus structured settlement. I know we tried to reach out to Michelle Singletary. It's not entirely clear to the public because there's a lot of, these are big words, structured settlement and factoring and things that are not obvious to a lot of people, but are really important messaging about why it's critical to get a structured settlement uh, as opposed to a lump sum in so many instances that you, there's just opens up the opportunity for dissipation of the funds when someone is absolutely relying on them. And as your website points out, people end up destitute and on uh, public assistance right. unless they have somebody negotiating on their behalf and protecting their interests. So I think we got a lot of work to do, Eric. I think it's very important that we continue to try to pass laws in all of these states. I know all the states have laws. Some are stronger than others. I really like what happened in Maryland. I think it's a great case study of how we protect vulnerable consumers. And I think we are required now to go out there and spread the word to other states and other places. We're very lucky to have a Brian Frosch in uh, in the state of Maryland. Got a great AG here. We've got a new great AG coming in, Brian Schwab. I'm on his transition team here in DC. Oh my goodness, great. Wow. I'm, I'm working on his transition team. So you need to let us know if there's other work that we can do here in DC. We do now have a good law. And obviously, we couldn't have done it without working hand in hand with you. And, you know, we always like the opportunity to work with the AAPD. And Maria's a good friend, Maria Town. Uh, she and I just did interviews at Comcast. We ran, happened to run into each other there. Uh, we were doing something on our, our work on um, protecting children in the fields farm worker kids. Maria was talking about uh, disability issues and explaining and describing the work of the AAPD and how important it is for the constituents she serves. But I do think there's lots of education that needs to be done around this issue. And it's frustrating to me that even people who should understand it don't always, but I was in that situation. So I have to step back and say, I didn't really understand how important this is, nor did I understand the role of factoring companies who advertise all day long. All over the place, too. All over the place, all day long. We had an opportunity in a fall meeting just a few months ago to open up a new dialogue. We made a new friend in a high in, important place. He's the commissioner of insurance in the state of California, same as Ricardo Lara. I've since talked with him, and, and he's invited us to come out to state and help working on educating judges. And I, I know it's a ways off, but in May... Uh, we're going to have our annual meeting in Torrey Pines, La Jolla. It's right on a golf course. I think I understand you're quite a golfer, and we'd love to have you come on out and join us and play around the golf with our members. But more importantly, we want to get together with the Attorney General in the state of California and mm-hmm. see if we can turn the uh, National Consumers League magic in the state of California, because it's a great state for structured settlements. But there are some things that they could do to improve their laws. Uh-huh. I don't want to keep you too long, but I want to mention to you that I, I and I have to 
be totally honest with everybody listening. I just sent this to you five minutes ago. There's a bill being um, introduced in the D.C. City Council by your good friend, Muriel Bowser, the mayor Mm -hmm. of D.C. It's a bill that would strip guarantee fund protection from factored structured settlement annuities. Amazingly, 37 states, including New York and California, by the way, protect factoring transactions once they've occurred with guarantee fund coverage. Muriel Bowser wants to strip that away. Mm-hmm. It would be a massive stroke to help injured people uh, who have factored away their transactions, but it would also help diminish the value of these factoring uh, companies from coming in. She's mm-hmm. a great consumer advocate. It's just been introduced. Uh, it's in the D.C. City Council, but I'd love to work with you on that. With that. Sure. Next year, assuming get that passed and get it done elsewhere around the country. Yeah, well, there's always work to be done on this. And I'm sure there'll be some folks who will oppose it strongly because it's not in their financial interest. But yes, I need to learn uh, and be better educated about what they're trying to do. But it certainly sounds like it's the right thing to do. And if it diminishes the value of a factored settlement or a factoring transaction, I'm all for it because we got to stand up to these guys and we got to protect the people that we're putting our jobs to protect. And that's these vulnerable consumers who are getting uh, talked out of their structured settlement and talked into factoring parts or all of it. And they're left often without anything. We have a a brand new year, a new Congress uh, Mm -hmm. upon us. Any predictions for you with the National Consumers League is going to be focused in on with the new Congress uh, when it reconvenes? Um, We always have uh, a lot of activities (laughs) going on, Eric. I spent the day yesterday on uh, at the talk about people with disabilities at the Consumer Product Safety Commission. One of the things that we've been trying to get done, uh, this is something probably most people won't really know about until I mention it, but if anybody has a workshop in their uh, garage with an electric table saw, those things are dangerous and there's a hundred percent technological fix to make them a hundred percent safe. And we've been trying to require a mandatory safety standard because they cause 54,000 accidents every year, many thousands of amputations of fingers and hands. And it's a permanent disability when that happens, fingers, uh, thumbs, thumbs and fingers. And we've worked with many a victim who has said, why wasn't there a safety standard on every table saw now that we have the technology? The technology has been around for 20 years. And there's a long story when we have more time about how we got involved. But I spent the day yesterday and was got the good news that they're hoping we got a vote before Trump was elected in favor of putting a mandatory safety standard in place. And then nothing happened under his administration. So uh, we are going to work really hard to make this happen. And you asked the other thing we think we, we're successful in, Eric, uh, consumer advocates have to be very patient people. I think you've probably learned that too. So this, the, we, I've been working on the table saw issue for at least 15 years. This other issue, the consumer community and the healthcare community has been working on for three decades. But in 2003, we filed a petition to get nutritional labeling on all alcoholic beverages, which are the only consumable today that don't, doesn't have any. We've talked about this. 
Well, after pounding on their door, we finally, we got language and we got legislative language and we also sued them this year. The industry, we sued the agency because they've been sitting on a petition since 2003. And after twisting their arm in every which way, including legislatively and through this federal lawsuit with two other consumer groups, they sent us a letter about three weeks ago saying they intend to grant our petition. And probably within the next year or two or three, we're going to see robust nutritional labeling on wine, spirits, and beer. And that will be a victory. Congratulations. just like menu labeling. Remember wow. menu labeling? That took so many years to get done. Does everybody like menu labeling? No. But when you read that something, a muffin that you thought had 100 calories has 450 calories, you sometimes go, uh, I don't think so. That's actually changed the industry behavior because they don't really want to post that, you know, an order of ribs at Outback Steakhouse is 2,500 calories. I'll see that and they go, whoa, okay, I think I'll order something else. And you should know, it's consumer's right to know. So we're really happy about that. And those are two things we're going to be working on next year. And I've got about 10 or 11 other priorities, Eric, including raising awareness about the importance of a structure when someone's been injured and the importance of not allowing factoring companies to take advantage of vulnerable consumers with their predatory practices. Well, Sally Greenberg, you are such an incredible gift to the consumer uh, community, but all of us all across the country and your work, tireless efforts on behalf of all of us. You're a great friend, a great leader. I cannot thank you enough for the time, the energy you put in to be a supporter of structured settlements. I ask everyone in our organization, visit the National Consumers League website, make a donation to the National Consumers League, get actively involved with the National Consumers League all around the country, because these issues are important. And your friendship is so valuable to me, but your leadership to our industry is just beyond measure. And I cannot thank you enough for all the times, effort you put into these issues. Well, thank you. You know, put us on uh, to all of your members. If you, if you like what you read on our website, put us on your on your holiday gift list this year or next. But let me say this. I think you and SSTA deserve a tremendous amount of credit for raising awareness about this. Eric, you've been great. You've got, you know, Susie Orman. You've got me. Um, we're working on Michelle Singletary, others who are have the ability to spread the message out to the public. And, you know, you're doing such important work on behalf of these uh, folks who've been injured and are going to be relying on these um, these annuities for the rest of their life. And you have a code of ethics that says we're going to do the right thing by people. So I think we got to raise awareness all around about what you guys do and the importance of structure. So thank you so much. And I love our partnership. And I appreciate that you guys have embraced us and what we do. And I think we're so, so much stronger to get working together along with AAPD. Fabulous message. Sally, okay. So much. Happy Hanukkah to everybody. It starts on <laughs> Sunday, like Sunday night, first night of Hanukkah. It's a really, really lovely holiday in the Jewish calendar. Okay, Jewish Eric. Calendar. Happy Good holidays to you, to you guys. Thank okay. you so much. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.